like putting yourself out there, you know, either teaching a course or just doing anything else publicly is that you're, you're putting yourself out there to new opportunities. So I taught my course because I wanted to teach my course, but it totally has led to other opportunities that um, I wouldn't have had otherwise. Hey friend, it's David Nabinski here in Brooklyn, here at Portfolio Career Podcast. We help you We help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's guest is Sarah Sodine-Parr. She is a researcher at many companies, including Airbnb. Um, She's also the course creator of Build the Right Thing, a brand new cohort-based course on user interviews. So basically building products um, for customers and talking to the customers while you're building it before you build it to create a better product. Um, This is a brand new cohort-based course uh, that she ran successfully over the summer of 2021 while she was working full-time. In this episode, you'll learn how she was able to build this cohort-based course, when she knew she was ready, how she thought about um, skills and side hustles and adjacent building on top of her existing expertise, As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Sarah. Cool. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So this is hard. So as a researcher... Uh, talking to a researcher that thinks a lot about questions and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's quite intimidating for me. <laughs> I'm like, what is, I hope I ask good questions. You know, this is how Sarah thinks about things. So yeah, just, uh, how, how do you think about kind of question asking and, and, uh, in, in some of the nature of some of the work that you do? Well, the first thing I'll say is that one thing I always tell people is that podcasts interviewing and TV interviewing, which is what people have the most exposure to, is actually pretty different from doing user interviews, which is which is what I do. So no pressure. I don't actually know how to host a podcast. So it's a totally it's not a, it's 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 a different skill, at least a little bit, because as a podcast host, you're meant to make things entertaining for people. Whereas for me, uh, I don't have to worry about that at all. Um, so for me, when I ask questions, the goal is to understand the users of whatever product I'm working on or understanding the potential customers that I want to understand. So I'm kind of asking really pointed strategic questions to get the most information and to get the truth out of the people that I'm talking to, um, kind of with using as few words as possible on my end. So that's, that's kind of how I think about asking people questions. So there's some, there's, there's similarities or like, at least on my side, I try to say as few words as possible, uh, and allow the special guests like yourself to really share their knowledge and their insights. So there's, there's similarities that way. Yeah, maybe just the podcasters I listen to. I feel like they talk a lot. Like I like Dak Shepard a lot, a lot, and I feel that he brings his personality a ton into his podcast, which is awesome because it's entertaining, but not not what you want to do when you're doing a user interview. <laughs> uh, and so, user interviews is around building products, improving products. Um, and so, talk to us a little bit about like why why this is important and how you've kind of seen this evolve and how like through this work you became like an expert in it yeah so 
The reason why it's important is that when you're building a product, you are not your users. So you might be building a product to solve your own problem that you have or for people that are somewhat like you, but in the end, you can't just build something for yourself because ultimately you need to launch it and sell it to people and get people to use it. So one, one of many tactics to increase your success of building a successful product is to do customer research to understand what your customers needs are to understand, you know, how they might respond to your product and how they might use it. And you take that information to make your product better. Um, I'm also a big believer in experimentation. So launching things and testing them and tracking metrics to see how they work. But the thing with experimentation is that it takes a lot of time and money to eventually get a product into the market that you can actually test. And with customer research at any point, even, even just with an idea, you can get on the phone with a handful of people and, and learn something that's going to help you, uh, make your products better even before you get to that experimentation stage. Hmm. And how do you think that we could apply some of this type of thinking of like related to job searching or finding clients or as like independent freelancers or solopreneurs? Is there ways that we could apply some of those lessons and practices to that? I would say so. So, I mean, I'm just my skill set is basically thinking about what, what do I want to learn? Who do I need to talk to to answer those questions or to learn those insights I want to learn? And then being able to actually ask the questions and conduct the interview in a way that's going to get those answers. So I feel like I definitely use those skills in, in lots of different scenarios. I'm always asking lots of questions to kind of understand people or understand things. So um, I think it's valuable in any situation when you're, when you're, lead, you know, when you're a leader at work or when you're looking for work or looking for clients, being able to ask questions to understand the people that you're working with is a really important way to understand what they want. So you can actually, uh, deliver on what they want and be a better coworker or a job candidate or whatever it is. Yeah. Before we get in, we were getting started, you're asking me questions and like, where do you live? And, and also I'm like, she's good at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think part of the reason why I also ended up in the field that I'm in is that I've always liked asking questions. I'm a naturally curious person and I don't really, I mean, I don't love talking about myself. I love learning about other people. So I got to do that as my job all the time. So I'm always asking lots of questions. <laughs> and so you've worked with at, at some big companies and stuff, and then kind of through this process, developed your expertise further and recently uh, ran the first session of a cohort-based course on this topic. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that kind of, um, you know, kind of building out your portfolio career, adding this side hustle, Talk to us about that kind of journey. Was there any kind of moments when you're like, you know, I've talked to 10 people and they say like, teach me, teach me, or, or just like kind of trust in your gut or market research. Talk to us a little bit about that process, Sarah. So, um, my job title, my nine to five is a UX researcher and all the big tech companies like midsize tech companies, they all have UX research teams and they're filled with people like me whose entire job is dedicated to understanding the users of the product and working with product and design teams to make the product better. But early stage startups don't have full-time researchers because it's a pretty specialized role and it's not usually within the first 100 people that you'll hire at a company, let's say. But I 
have always believed that early stage startups are actually the companies that could benefit from this the most because they're figuring out their product market fit. They're figuring out like what business they even want to go to and what their product is going to be like. And this is a time when it's really, really valuable to talk to customers and help get some of that guidance on what you should build. Um, but like I said, those companies don't typically don't have researchers, so they don't get to benefit from that. So I've always been interested in the idea of figuring out how I could help startups kind of develop this skill set more or benefit from this skill set more. And on top of that, um, I got lots of questions from people who knew what I do, just asking me, how, could, how should I do customer interviews? What are some questions I should ask? Um, even from coworkers at my company, they would ask me these questions of how to do customer interviews better. So I think after having enough people ask me those questions and through that realizing how little people know about how to do it, that's what made me interested in launching the course. And uh, I was really, I was actually pretty surprised to see the diversity of people that wanted to take it. I was expecting it to be mostly uh, founders and PMs and designers, uh, people who are really deep on the UX and product side, but it was really interesting to see. Um, I kind of had people from all different all different roles and non-technical roles at companies that were interested in learning more about it. Hmm. And so the course is called Build the Right Thing. Um, it was um, it's, on, it's on maven.com and we I was a, a coach and you were an instructor in the Maven course accelerator this summer. Um, and what do you think that that, do you think that that is a lesson just like you kind of never know what's going to happen when you put a product out into the world or yeah. Any, any thoughts on that, Sarah? Yeah, that's super true. And I, and that kind of goes back to the theme of customer research as well. I think when you do research, you're discovering new things you wouldn't, wouldn't have discovered, discovered otherwise, whether it's new opportunities or maybe challenges that you didn't realize you were going to face and it increases your your chance of building the right thing and it makes your product better. But still, when you launch something in the real world, you things always happen that are unexpected, of course. You can't always predict everything. So I had a pretty good idea for my course of who I thought would want to take it and what material would be valuable to people. And like I said, I was surprised by the diversity of people who wanted to take the course. And even as I was teaching it, your first time teaching something, you also just realize um, what works and what doesn't. And I was, you know, I found some parts of the course that people were particularly interested in that I didn't expect to be the most interesting part. So now I have ideas for like all different kinds of courses that I could teach. Um, so it was definitely a learning experience to teach and get that real time feedback on what people were responding to. So the next cohort's gonna change a little bit. Is that what you're thinking about? Uh, maybe. So the first cohort was mostly focused on customer discovery. So how can you understand your customers on a super deep level to figure out what their problems are and what you should build for them? One tiny little piece of the course that I talked about is how, when you have an idea or when you have a product, how can you test them? How can you test your ideas and test your product with customers? And people really liked that part and wanted to learn more about it. So I don't have any plans yet for exactly what the second cohort will be. I think either I'll expand on that section more, or maybe there's actually two different courses, one on discovery and one on how to test your ideas. Um, that's that's what I'm thinking about right now, but no no final plans yet. You have to subscribe to the wait list and, and follow along on Twitter and and more. Um, what, what was it like um, kind of, um, operating the cohort-based course while also working. Um, talk to us a little bit about that, like that dynamic for the 
for the person that's out there, it's like, you know, I got, I like my job, but I want to do a little bit more cohort-based courses are really interesting. Um, I feel like I have some expertise. Maybe I want to launch one or maybe I want to coach in one. Maybe I want to, you know, help out, like talk to us a little bit about kind of that, that part. Yeah. So, uh, I kind of first explored the idea of doing the course in 2020 when COVID was happening, I wasn't being as social as usual, as usual, like all the activities I usually used to spend my day doing, I wasn't doing anymore. So I wanted to invest more time in learning and working on projects and doing, you know, kind of working on side projects outside of my main job. So that's why it was good timing for me to start thinking about doing a course. Um, and then I actually ended up teaching the course now in summer 2021. And what I'll say is that it's definitely hard. Um, working on any sort of side project when you're working full time is hard because you're working nine to five or more. And then you're working on uh, a side project at nighttime or on the weekends. So your whole life kind of becomes work. But the course for me, I didn't really see it as a job or I wasn't really focused on making money from it. For me, it was more like my own learning experience and just a way for me to share my expertise with the world. And I thought that that was fun. So it was challenging from a time perspective to find time to do it in addition to my full-time job, but it was doable. And I think I did the course as well. And in the back of my mind was thinking, this will be a good test to see if I would want to do something like this full-time. So not work at Airbnb or somewhere else and just work on teaching or creating content. And I think it, I think the journey is different for everyone. I know some people who did the same thing and they said, yes, I'm going to quit my job and keep doing this course. I think for me, I decided that I want to keep working, you know, in the corporate world and then, and doing this on the side, because I feel like my journey is not over yet. I still want to be at companies, you know, developing my skills, learning new things. And then on the side, also being able to teach those things with the world. So I'm going to keep up doing both for now. Yeah. Love that. Um, and the, I can see how one thing that's probably pretty cool is like, you could probably, there's aspects of like your expertise, you could utilize that into the actual like course, right? So maybe there's somebody that's like thinking about creating a side hustle and they're like, you know, how do you find more kind of overlap and more synergies to those new things as opposed to like, I'm gonna go this over here and this over there and they're just way different. Did you think it was that kind of intentional of like, cool, like I may not be the best person at learning design or, or marketing, but like for customer research and thinking about that, like I'm going to double down on that part. Um, and I know that that's going to lead to better results because that's my you know field of expertise. Did you think about that much there? Yes, I definitely did because, um, as you know, I'm married to an entrepreneur. Both my parents are entrepreneurs. So my family, uh, like everyone in my family, actually my in-laws are entrepreneurs as well. So everyone in my family starts businesses. So I always have ideas for businesses to start. Um, and I've had, I, I really like retail and e-com. So in the past, I've had lots of ideas in that vein. And I think um, part of the reason why ultimately I decided to do the course, like you said, is that it's very in line with what I already do today. And I was able to focus on learning a handful of skills and not learning like a million new skills all at once doing something that was totally unrelated to what I do today. So it's kind of like a baby, it was a baby step of 
launching something and creating something for the first time that's still like within my industry as opposed to creating something that was totally different and learning, like I said, having to learn a million things at once. So for me personally, it was a great baby step to see what it feels like to launch something and sell something for the first time. And I think the other benefit is that I think that teaching makes you better at what you're teaching, if that makes sense. So teaching people how to do customer interviews and customer research, I think makes me a better researcher because it helps me solidify all my philosophies and ideas and unique perspective on things that I maybe hadn't thought through so deeply before. So uh, doing my full-time job and doing the course, I think has just made me a better researcher altogether. I think doing something totally different would be, um, would probably be cool in its own way, but it, it would be a, a totally separate thing. Yeah, I love that. Like I remember when I was um, coaching podcasters, well, I was podcasting at like was this like really cool kind of feedback loop and uh, like problems or questions that people had. I was like, maybe I haven't thought about that as much. I wonder why they're asking that question. Maybe that's yeah. a blind spot in my workflow or things of that nature. But I remember just like having like, just being feeling like in flow and like continuing learning and stretching myself on this like one topic and one skill set. Definitely. Yeah, that's exactly how it felt. And and when I got those questions from people, it makes you question, yeah, when you don't have an answer to their questions, like, huh, yeah, maybe I never really thought about this before. I never had this challenge myself before. So that's something to think more about. Or someone asks a question that makes you remember something from like years back in your career that you hadn't thought about in a while and you had to like bring it to the surface and like engage with that again. So I totally agree. It um it was it was a cool experience. And I think probably um just offered, it offered a lot more growth for me than if I, if I were to do something that was totally random and more of like a a side passion project, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. You went deeper as opposed to like adjacent or. Yeah. And do you think that like, um, talk to us about like the being the expert versus the teacher versus like, maybe there's somebody that's out there that's like, you know, wants to monetize some of their ideas, um, but doesn't feel like they are like the number one in their category. Mm-hmm. Um, as somebody that, um, you know, had a successful cohort based course, talk to us a little bit about like, how you were thinking about like, I don't know everything about this topic, but I'm going to show up and teach what I know. And I'm okay if I don't have all the answers or talk to us a little bit about that kind of like expert versus teacher versus uh, in the context of like how somebody could maybe monetize their expertise, their craft, et cetera. Yeah. I think one thing that I've heard or seen people talk about a lot is the idea of an expert versus a curator. So if you're teaching people something, Maybe it's because you personally have the experience and you're an expert on this and you've developed your own original point of view, which is kind of more what I felt like I I have because I've been doing this for a long time and I have my own unique perspective on how to do this. And then there's other folks that are more curators. So they have spent tons of time looking at all the content that's out there on the internet, which there's lots and lots of, and most people don't have time to go through it and curate it. And they've kind of found the best of the best and come up with this perspective based on all the information that they've seen out there. And they can deliver that to you and teach that to you, which is um, really valuable in its own way as well. And it kind of gives you that feeling that 
the instructor and the student are kind of like learning and growing together and experiencing this exciting thing for the first time. So I, I've seen I've seen it broken down that way. And then I think another thing I would consider is everyone's an expert at something. So thinking about what are you an expert at within the realm of, let's say, like business insights, there's so much that there's so much that goes within that. And I'm not, I would never say that I'm an expert at business insights overall, um, but I am an expert at doing customer interviews, even within the realm of other types of customer research you can do. I would not call myself an expert on surveys. So I just didn't include surveys in my course. My course was just about how to do one-on-one -on -one interviews with customers. And I went really deep on, on that area that I'm an expert at. So that's another thing I would consider as well. Like maybe people feel like they need to think about something really broadly. Like here's a course on how to do a podcast, but maybe that's not what the course has to be at all. Maybe people would be interested in like the specific part that you are an expert at, which is how to do, you know, how to improve your audio quality on a podcast or something like that. Hmm. I love that. A, because you've, you, you, you potentially, you know, uh, thought about my expertise <laughs> and said, no, David, I think you should maybe consider this. Uh, but um, yeah, the, the role of like the expert versus the curator and, and to your point around like just how much knowledge that there's out there and stuff. And I think one thing that I recently like have started to feel more confident around is like the weird things that you see on the internet, like that you like going back to curating, like if you can quickly just like share a link to somebody that like, even though you don't like know the answer, like that's super valuable. And I feel like that's like, I don't know, somebody, sometimes people joke around and like the, the skill of Googling is like a really important underlooked skill, but like you kind of, sometimes you take some of these things for granted. Like you take for granted the, uh, just like the exposure that you've had in this topic and the random things that are like just on your Twitter feed, uh, compared to other people's Twitter feeds, et cetera. Yeah, that's super true. And that actually, going back to the course and questions people asked me that I didn't have good answers to. One question I got from multiple people was, what else should I read? You know, yeah, who should I follow? Like, what are other other resources to learn more about this? And um, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. And another reason why I wanted to teach my course is because I don't feel like there's a ton of great content out there on what I do. But even still, that's something I have to work on, thinking a little bit more deeply about you know, what are the source texts that inspired me to make sure I can share them with other people. Um, and, you know, for what I do for work, I'm not uh, like classically trained, I guess you could say. I didn't get a PhD in psychology or in sociology or something like that. I did teach myself by reading and exposing myself to things online. So I did do it, but I, I should have uh, done a better job of saving every article that helps teach me. <laughs> you call that source text that's like the original knowledge that kind of helps shape your thinking is that yeah yeah that's what i mean okay any other uh so since the course has been out into the world um and it's gone well we talked a little bit about uh potential things that you know might do for the next cohort is there any other like call it opportunities that have opened up since kind of the course is up and running um, or that it ran because yeah be curious as to like this one new project did that open up other things that maybe um, you know somebody wanted to plan longer term be like cool I might be able to do this but then after that I'm not sure like what's going to happen but 
anything pop up of like afterwards that has been really cool and surprising? Yeah, I would definitely say that. I mean, one of the biggest benefits of putting yourself out there, like putting yourself out there, you know, either teaching a course or just doing anything else publicly is that you're, you're putting yourself out there to new opportunities. So I taught my course because I wanted to teach my course, but it totally has led to other opportunities that um, I wouldn't have had otherwise. For example, you wouldn't have invited me to be on this podcast if all I did every day was just work at Airbnb and never tweeted anything or taught a course or did any of this other stuff that I'm doing more publicly. So um, getting to talk to people like you and other people who've reached out to me has been really fun exciting job opportunities that I probably wouldn't have found otherwise, like people reaching out to me, wanting to hire me. And that's been cool. Even though I haven't taken any of those opportunities, just seeing what's out there is exciting. And, um, in my course, one of my students said, like, I think what I'm realizing is that I would like you to just hire, I would like to just hire you to do this work for me. And he was, uh, I mean, he was joking, but he was also serious. And, uh, I think that if I wanted to go down that path of doing more consulting projects and freelancing projects, I'd be able to do that as well. Um, I haven't, I haven't taken up any of these opportunities, but I think the point is when you put yourself out there, you know, these exciting things come your way. So at some point I'm sure I'll be interested in doing one of these things. So it's good to know that's out there. Yeah. And, and like the people like literally saw your work and literally saw how you perform. So if they're like, Oh, should I hire or not? Like <laughs> they literally bought your course, but then also saw how you did things. Yeah, exactly. Which is hard to sometimes see, right? Like you kind of like people take a job or they take a client and then they're like, okay, now then what do we do? What's it going to be like? But in this case, it's a really cool way to like really see how somebody operates. And I'm sure like the call it the like, I don't know, like the trust factor or the, it's just like completely accelerated. Yeah. And I think it's especially true in a live cohort based course, because in a pre-recorded course, anyone can present information, like who knows whether the person wrote it themselves or who knows um, what their process was to come up that information. And in my course, I was doing that as well. I was lecturing and sharing content, but I was also answering their questions. I was working with them on their own projects and giving them feedback. So they really got to see how I think and how I think on my feet and how I work on problems because we were working on them together. So I think that people got a lot of value out of the live course format. And uh, before I kind of got connected with Maven, I was not into the idea of doing a live course, but now that I've done it, I'm definitely a convert and see the value of how much better of an experience it is for students to be able to actually work with someone live and actually have, you know, that school, you know, old school, school experience, old school, school experience. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I think I, I don't remember who it was, but I saw someone tweet basically saying like, everyone's calling this cohort based courses, but it's really just school. I don't think that's necessarily true though, because I think when I went to school, I mean, you went to school because you were forced to, and you were learning the curriculum that every American student has to learn. But in these courses, people are opting in to learn about a really specific topic. So I found that people were, were way more engaged and excited to be there than when I was in high school. So that part of it was definitely better than school. <laughs> Sweet. Um, and, uh, and it was just you on with the course? Did you, 
yeah, it was just me. Um, and I think that was part of maybe what made it challenging as well. But I think at this, you know, I wanted to keep it small for the first ones and just so I could do it on my own. But in the future, I would, I would love to have some help if I, if I want to make it bigger. Cool. Um, any, um, so one concept of, or like one idea that I'm like really interested in is like how sometimes people are like one friend or one event or kind of like one email away from like something like maybe life-changing or just like can have a big impact and maybe in the moment it kind of seems small but any example of like an email that kind of like changed uh trajectory of things or anything kind of like jump out yeah um i think that you know i used to have a fear of putting myself out there like a fear of rejection or a fear of people thinking that I'm stupid or silly or whatever it is. And I, I think everyone has those fears. I, I think that women have those fears more than men do, or maybe women at least let it hold them back more than men do. So that's something that I'm trying to also like encourage my female friends to, to put themselves out there more as well. So I, I've kind of gotten over that fear and I, um, I cold email people or post things online because like I said, I think when you put yourself out there, you open yourself up to new opportunities you wouldn't have had otherwise. And one story that stands out in particular to me is five years ago, before I joined Airbnb, Airbnb was my dream job. And um, I didn't know how I would get there or like if it was possible for me to get there. And I earnestly just emailed the head of research at Airbnb um at the time and he, he's still there as well and just emailed him saying hey i've heard great things about you and your team which was true that's why it was my dream job and my dream team and asked him if he would be open to to meeting me for coffee to you know hear more about his experience and also get his advice on you know how i should think about my career and lo and behold that ended up me you know ended up with me getting hired at airbnb when i thought that was never going to be a possibility and that obviously would have never happened if I never had the guts to reach out and email him and follow up with him and follow up again when he didn't respond. So, um, yeah, that, that's one that's one that stands out to me. And I think the other big one would just be a year ago, I started posting on Twitter and was really like afraid of doing that before. And since I've done that, it like I mentioned, it's opened up a whole bunch of other opportunities. So I encourage everyone to cold email people and post stuff online. Sweet. Love it. Wow. So that cold email and the follow-up email led to the Airbnb. And so, wow. Yeah. Sweet. Um, well, Sarah, this has been such an incredible conversation. Um, please let listeners know where they can learn more. You mentioned Twitter a little bit. And if there's anything else that um, they'd like to share, please, please let us know. But this is an incredible conversation. Yeah, thank you. It was great talking to you. People can find me on Twitter at Sarah Sodine Parr. So it's at S-A-R-A-S-O-D-I-N-E-P-A-R-R. Maybe I should get a shorter, uh, a shorter handle because that's a long one. Um, and yeah, there you can find you can find the link to my course and sign up for the waitlist there. And also follow me just to learn more about what I do and how you can talk to your customers to figure out what they need and make better product decisions. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Hey friend, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, 
LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.